<laughs> All right, it's podcast time. VHS Cole. Oh, that reminds me. VHS Cole. VHS Cole. I don't know how you want to do it. VHS Cole. <laughs> yeah, like an anime piece. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey guys, it's VHS Cole. That's like Mickey Mouse. Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna ask you. Oh, you're talking about yeah, yeah the job hunt. No, I was. I can't talk about that. Uh, I signed an NDA. Oh, <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I did. Oh, um, <clears throat> the GI Joe file card idea. I uh, I when I was photoshopping that book cover yesterday, I I, uh, I created those. So I'll send that over to you. Oh hell yeah! But speaking of being good at being cool instead of dorky. Um, remember last week I was talking about, oh, based on this 2003 era propaganda, it's time for Bright Eyes to make a comeback. Oh, I listened to I'm on Awake This Morning this week. Guess what? What? They're making a comeback? Bright Eyes is making a comeback. Oh, God. Yeah. Like Nostradamus over here. Uh-huh. It's actually, this is actually uh, the results of chaos magic. I manifested it. <laughs> I believed it. I spoke it to the world, and it I came masturbated to be. over their CDs. <laughs> <laughs> I left my cum on it. <laughs> um, I um, I really like that Conor Oberst ruminations and uh, what was the other one? Like deliberations or quantitations or fucking something. <laughs> <laughs> quadratic equations. Yeah. Not for sure there's a comeback, but they suddenly have an Instagram and a Twitter account now, and they. Post What's Mike Mogus doing? Probably uh, engineering, doing sound engineering for the new Bright Eyes album. Yeah, and it's like Bright Eyes 2020, and they have a little uh, video of, like, cartoon bodies ascending and descending. So, yeah, there's probably going to be a new Bright Eyes album. It's all thanks to me. Uh, Thank next you, on Kyle. The docket, Thank you, Kizza. I did it. It's You're the cult leader. We love you. Chaos Magic. I, I will it to be. Can you will uh, it to be that I make some fucking money? <laughs> yeah, next on the docket is success for the VHS cult. 2020, it's coming this year. I'm speaking it into being. I have decreed that we will become the world's most successful podcast. Fuck Conan O'Brien. What's his sidekick's name? Andy Richter. Andy Richter. <laughs> He's a creep on Twitter. Get him out of there. <laughs> uh, after that, um, I would like to find a partner that loves me. Universe, help me out with that. And um, my friend Amanda to talk to me again. <laughs> <laughs> that All this will happen in 2020. They'll make a new Futurama movie and it'll be good. <laughs> wow. That <laughs> one's really reaching. It's happening. <laughs> Matt Groening, apparently also a creep. Friends with Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, is he a creep? That's Bummer. Whatever. He didn't even write the best episodes of The Simpsons. No, nah, it was David X. Cohen who did all Futurama too. So it's, Conan O'Brien did the best episodes of The Simpsons, everybody knows. The Monorail? Yeah. Not only that one, too. Would, um, and he's a producer for years, too. Yeah, the, the, I think The Monorail is one he gets the... Uh, Slow writing credit on them, but yeah, he was in the writer's room and uh, producer. I think he, uh, he, from what I remember hearing about the the Marge with the Monorail one, he had a he won up and he pitched three episodes, and all three were were written. And he's like the only guy that's ever done that in the Simpsons writer room or some shit. Well, yeah, Conan Bryan's pretty funny. I just um tired of these rich assholes making podcasts when I'm <laughs> I'm out here trying to hustle, all right? Yeah, I get it. I'm I get to, it. I'm trying to grift the people. I'm these, just saying that he's not the most egregious example of it. I'm pretty sure he took a pay cut when he went to half an hour, so none of the crew on his uh his TV show had to take a pay cut. Oh no, I I still like Conan O'Brien. It's just he's just like the easiest target to <laughs> take a swing at. <laughs> Plus, he won't hit back. So <laughs> he hangs out with Dana Carvey. Oh man, that's about it for this week. Nothing strange going on in the world or anything to talk about. <laughs> no, not at all. Everything's fine with that. Yeah, I don't want to. Bright eyes is back. Getting a wife. Uh, man is going to talk to me again. VHS cult, most popular podcast in the world. I want to get so popular. I feel like it's going to be like that monkey's paw thing where podca- podcasts just become unpopular and we'll be the most popular of the unpopular podcasts. As long as we're on top. <laughs> it's not enough that I should succeed. It's others must fail. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. The Republican mentality. <laughs> yes. I, w- I want us to get um, successful and popular enough that I can stage like a pay-per-view fight between me and one of the Chapo guys. Like a boxing match. <laughs> what the? F- you're I I mm, I only have seen a couple of them. That doesn't seem like a fair fight. <laughs> oh no, I'll kill him. It's gonna be awesome. You know, like that uh, 
Those like YouTube personality dweebs, Logan Paul or whatever. They have a fight. Yeah, they had a couple boxing matches. The first they had more than one. Yeah, they had another one that was just like free on YouTube or something. (laughs) I don't think they made any money off of that one. Well, the first one was like pay per view. I think made hell of money. So that's what I'm gonna do. (laughs) Tune in to see me kill someone from Chapo Trap House. Yeah, because it'll be like blood sport, like fight to the death. <laughs> I don't think blood sport was always fight to the death. We watched it, and I think only a couple people died. They allowed it. Ah, <clears throat> uh, yes, I uh, had 127 consecutive knockouts. I had. Don't do the math on that. <laughs> 120 consecutive confirmed kills. Speaking of confirmed kills, this week we watched Ran. Don't run by Akira Kurosawa. Kurosawa. Kurosawa-san. Like maybe you Kurosawa. He's just ripping off anime. He's like the boss. Um. Yeah, you're right. He just copied anime. What a jerk. He didn't even create anime. <laughs> he's like everyone knows Walt Disney created anime. <laughs> he has a quote. He's like Hayao Miyazaki's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> um. This movie's great. It is uh, two hours and forty two minutes long though. All kind of his movies breezes, are long. Kind of breezes by. Well, no, it doesn't breeze by because it's like really epic and engaging. And you're like, wow, look at all those colors. I would call this, uh, this is my definition of like a badass movie. There's drama. There's some laughs. There's blood. There's lots of cool shots. It's just good stuff. It's just like really classically. It's like, a epic. Hey, here's a story. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, well, it's based off of King Lear. So it's also like high drama and people are emoting so hard, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, towards the end of the film, one of the characters yells the message of the film to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, you don't have to tell me about Shakespeare. I, I have an English degree. <laughs> yeah, it's just um fun. It's just a lot of fun to experience it. Maybe not like the best written film or the most engaging, complex story of all time, but you're just like, wow, I'm having a good time. Cult members, I hear you asking, who is Akira Kurosawa? Hopefully they're not asking that. I mean, they're just a wrong podcast, but you know... You're going to learn today. Got to teach these kids, man. They're out here watching Joker and shit. Do you have a, do you have that quote for him where he was dunking on some other Japanese director? Um, no. Like, yeah, oh, I just like a nice glass of spring tea or some shit. I forget what the quote. Hey, whatever. Go on with your yeah. Well, he had like a rivalry with um, Imaki. Yeah. It's another Japanese director. And they, yeah, they, all, they always used to just like talk shit about each other. I don't know. But Akira Kurosawa. He is a classically trained painter. <laughs> Storyboards his films as full-scale paintings, which you can see in Rand because every shot kind of just looks like it's an oil painting. The fucking opening shot is beautiful. Mm-hmm. What's that YouTube channel that's all about cinematography? It's like every I don't know. scene a painting or something <laughs> shit like that. That's literally the case with Kurosawa-sama. Uh, he entered the film industry in 1936 as an assistant director, eventually making his directorial debut with Sanshiro Sugata. Apparently, back in the day in Japan, assistant directors basically really were like the assistant director, like a second unit director, where they got to do like everything. Yeah, that, um, that's a real shit job, uh, in my opinion. I guess it like really trains you up to become a director. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, he frequently uses the wipe effect to fade from one scene to another. This George Lucas became famous due to its usage in the Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I said this, uh, I think, at the end of the last episode, but Star Wars: A New Hope is is uh, a hidden fortress. Yes, you're correct. Uh, George Lucas openly admits he copied a lot of Kurosawa stuff for Star yeah, Wars and Dune and Dune. Yeah, there's some Dune. There's definitely some Dune in there. Like Jedi are basically spice Dune people. Man, I don't I, like Dune, but I mean, he definitely. I gotta read this Dune book. No, you don't. I need to see what all the all the fuss is about. I guess you should read it before um, Denise movies come out. Yeah, and then you can watch the uh, David what, Lynch. The David Lynch version. <laughs> there's like two, two or two to eighteen cuts of that movie. I'm not sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, it's not very good, right? Is the consensus? I think the consensus is a, it's a mess. That was a good. That was a good time in movies as well, where they're like, "Hey, David Lynch, you weird ass art house director, how about Dune?" <laughs> He's like, "I'll give it a shot." Several of Kurosawa's films have been remade in America as westerns. Magnificent Seven. Yep, Seven Samurai is Magnificent Seven. Uh, Fistful of Dollars is also Yojimbo. 
And then, yeah, Hidden Fortress is major inspiration for Star Wars Saga, which takes many inspirations from Westerns and is often referred to as a space Western. Common story elements include General Makabe, who became Obi-Wan Kenobi. Their names even sound similar. Princess Yuki, who became Princess Leia, and whose trick of disguising herself as a handmaiden would later be used by Queen Amidala. And the farmers, from whose viewpoint the film is told, Marishichi, and Tahe, whose constant bickering inspired C-3PO and R2-D2. What if, instead of them being droids, they were just two Japanese farmers in <laughs> Star Wars? <laughs> I saw episode one. And then Nemododians or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. like when you were dunking on um, Bill Burr the other day for like, well, what is there? It's like Space Boston? I'm like, have you ever watched a fucking Star Wars? This, their accents make no sense. <laughs> I was the Gungans are you making for Christ's sake? I wasn't uh, dunking on it for there being like it's a Space Boston as if it, like that was the yeah, problem. I, know, with I, it. I was just dunking on Bill Burr because I hate him. <laughs> I realize he's a successful comedian or whatever, and a lot of people like him, but I just thought that fucking angry Bostonian dude yelling about stupid shit. It's just like, ah, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, dork. Kurosawa himself worshipped legendary American director John Ford, his primary influence as a filmmaker. When the two met, Ford was uncommonly pleasant to the younger Japanese filmmaker. Wow. Yeah, John that, Ford was pleasant to a Japanese guy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think John Ford is as racist as people make him out to be. Well, I mean, this is shortly after World War II, right? Uh, I think it would have been in the 60s, early 60s. Oh, okay. And John Ford, uh, well, we'll talk about him more at the end, but John Ford kind of had a little treaties with himself in as depicted through a film. That sort of was him reflecting on his past mistakes and his beliefs and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. His Irishman? <clears throat> yes. Uh, when Kurosawa met Ford in the early 60s, Ford said to him, You really like rain. To which the delighted Kurosawa replied, You really watched my films. Because <laughs> yeah, this shit's always raining in uh, <laughs> the uh, Russia. Rashomon? Rashomon, yeah. It's constantly raining in that yeah. movie. Well, they're, yeah, they're all um, taking refuge from a rainstorm. Yeah. And then this one, <clears throat> not rain exactly, but the um, emotional point, like halfway point, the storm rolls in, shit gets very breezy. He uses weather effects a lot of times, like heighten the drama. Which those, I feel like is banners like, snapping in the wind. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's an old school storytelling technique, too, you know? It was a cold, dark night. Yeah. Of a dark, stormy night. Or, <laughs> Theater production. Yeah. Shaking up a piece of metal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Thunder. Ooh. Oh, I've been transported to a faraway land. <clears throat> it didn't take much. It doesn't really take much if, you, if you're if you willing to commit. Yeah. I mean, you, you just, you do what works. That's, that's, that's filmmaking, telling story theater shit for you is your fucking magic. Whatever's cheapest and works. Although... Many in the Western world would see Akira Kurosawa's films as the hallmark of samurai films. In my opinion, they're just the best samurai films. The rest of the world, they see them as like, oh, this is what samurai movies are. Oh, yeah. I don't think samurai movies are necessarily that contemplative. His samurai films considered atypical in Japan because most Japanese samurai films had been set in the 18th and 19th centuries when a peaceful Japan was at the peak of its nationalism, with the largest numbers of Bushido code adhering samurai. Kurosawa's films typically feature individualistic ronin, rather than true samurai, and a majority are set in the far more chaotic feudal periods, 16th, 17th centuries, when the Japanese were engaged in civil war. I also like the female eyebrow trends they had going on back then. Oh, I'm going to shave my natural eyebrows <laughs> and just drama. draw some on weird ones up here. Well, basically what this is saying is that the equivalent would be <clears throat> um, people in the rest of the world being like, man, I sure like Unforgiven. Love cowboy movies. They're all exactly like Unforgiven. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> when reality is Unforgiven's uh, contemplation or a, uh, a critique of the Western genre rather than actually reflecting the normal cliches and tropes of it. So that's what... So people see Kurosawa movies and like, yep, that's what samurai movies are like when... Nah, not exactly. He's usually reflecting on 
the negative values that exist in Japanese society as personified through samurai. And then um, samurai aren't aren't very cool. As you would expect, and most warrior classes aren't. Like, no, it's not like knights were cool. European knights weren't cool. Cowboys are not generally... I mean, cowboys, cowboys, actual, like, you know, cattle, uh, like cattlemen are fine. Stuff, yeah. but, but gunfighters are not cool people, you know what I mean? <laughs> Gamblers are not... They're all just shooting each other in the back and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Jesse James is the best. <laughs> what a hero. <laughs> I do have um, a soft spot for Jesse James, though, but that's mostly just because of... The film, The Assassination of Jesse James by Carol Robert Ford. <laughs> Speaking of those samurai folks, his family, Kurosawa's, when traced back a few generations, were samurais from the Akita prefecture. Oh! Kurosawa later said that his father, who was tall with the commanding presence and worked as a fitness instructor, <laughs> had a bearing he thought was samurai-like. Unlike his father, Kurosawa himself was never athletically inclined. What a disappointment to his father. Oh, his his wonder if his dad was like buff. He's like a fitness instructor. He's like, oh yeah, fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. Japanese Arnold Schwarzenegger. What's a fitness instructor like in Japan in like nineteen twenty? I don't. You know when you see um those videos of like, all right, time to take a break at the office or the factory, and they all go out to the parking lot and do like calisthenics. Yeah, probably the guy with the megaphone. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they had that in the twenties though. That's a good point. Wonder what it was like back then. Probably, <laughs> Probably fucking, fucking judo or some shit. Sword training and yeah. shit. A lot of the um Japanese actors from the fifties and sixties and seventies when, when Japan was producing a lot of samurai films, those guys were like actually pretty accomplished swordsmen. Because if you actually didn't know how to use the sword in the movie, you get clowned on by like the director, the rest <laughs> of the cast, so- society writ large. They're like, what a fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> It's weird to think that that was still a mentality. Japan's like really clings to the same traditions and values over a long period of time. So you're saying they're somewhat conservative. <clears throat> yep, pretty conservative, pretty nationalistic, oftentimes a little bit uh, fascist. You know how it goes, Israel. <laughs> in a period in uh, December of 1971. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After a period of suffering from mental fatigue and frustrated with the run of unsatisfying and subpar directing work, Kurosawa attempted suicide by slashing his wrists 30 times with a razor. Oh, man. You, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, fortunately, the wounds were not fatal. He made a full recovery. What would drive a man to suicide? Could it be family history? Let's find out. <laughs> He was born the youngest of four children to Isamu and Shima Kurosawa. As a child, he revered his older brother, Haigo. While young, Akira was mainly into painting. Haigo was a film lover and worked as a benshi, which is a narrator slash commentator for foreign silent films. It also kind of sounds like banshee. (laughs) That's what I heard. Akira's love for film was handed down from his brother. Unfortunately, Haigo suffered from depression and committed suicide. (laughs) Ooh, I don't know why I laughed. It's just, man. Like the, I feel like we're getting into some Hemingway family shit. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> the comedy of life. Shortly thereafter, both Akira's eldest brother and only sister died from illnesses, leaving Akira the only remaining child. His sibling's death, particularly that of Haigo, was a traumatic experience for Akira, and is thought to have considerably darkened his worldview. Also, he uh, would t- like to tell a story about um, when they had uh, the... <sighs> The terrible earthquake in Japan in like the fifties, mm-hmm. and he describes in great t- detail all the different types of corpses he saw, and how uh, he, he was young and he went to like look away, but his brother Haigo was like, "No, we must look." And um, why Haigo? <laughs> I don't know. He's like, "Cause you gotta face death." And then Akira Kurosawa is like. Time to make movies and bum people out. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he does happen. He, I mean, because a lot of this stuff like this, he does have a sort of grim worldview. I wouldn't say he's a cynic, but uh, he seems to be very dialed into li- life is suffering sort of thing. <laughs> Which you couldn't tell from Ran, that's for sure. What? <laughs> that's what Tango yells at you. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. I didn't get it then. 
Oh damn! <laughs> they they need to yell it louder. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> obvious enough. Like <laughs> like how uh, rich people love Parasite. <laughs> oh, um, Kurosawa had always wanted to make a Godzilla film. Oh man! But uh, Toho thought it would be too expensive if they ever hired him. He would have done it for cheap. Well, the reason he wanted to do it is because, well, I'm Godzilla rules, but also he's uh, close friends with Ish- Ishiro Honda, who is the guy that basically created Godzilla. They could have had J- Jaguar with a samurai sword fight Godzilla. Um, you know how they're doing Godzilla versus King Kong again? Yeah. Uh, how are they going to make King Kong big enough? Is th- he going to eat magic berries again? <laughs> <laughs> I think at the end of the King Kong movie, they're like, he's still growing. Oh, okay. So <laughs> they just kind of ha- put a hat on it. <laughs> Lamp shit. You know? yeah, yeah, he's going to be real big next time. <laughs> oh, man, he's still growing. He just got, he needs more bananas. In Ran, the fool, Kaoma, I, I can't say his name very well. Kaoma uh, says, in a mad world, only the mad are sane. That, apparently, that's uh, a phrase that uh, Kira Kurosawa himself would use sometimes. <laughs> I think he'd just walk around muttering it to himself. <laughs> well, and a mad rule. That's the matter saying. What'd you say? And that brings us to the film itself. Ran. Japanese means... Uh, ran. Stop. Stop. <laughs> ran. Stop. <laughs> it means chaos or revolt. I guess that's kind of what the movie's about. I mean, I, I guess. I mean, maybe it's in medieval Japan an elderly warlord retires handing over his empire to his three sons. However... He vastly underestimates how the newfound power will corrupt them and cause them to turn on each other and him. Except for his youngest son. It's King Lear. No, it's not. King Lear had daughters. I have an English degree. Fucking England. <laughs> you have a degree in being fucking a fog breather. <laughs> As you know from our ancestry.com, we're mostly boggy, buggy Irish. <laughs> Come from the bogs. My people are bog people. My family worked this bog and I will too will work this bog. Searching it for turf to burn. (laughs) (laughs) We need the peat. For the whiskey. Oh, shit. The potatoes ran out. No more Pachin. He has another film that also came out, um, uh, I believe, like five years before uh, Ran. There's an interesting thing where, like, he goes, like, five years in between films consistently for a couple decades. I was like, oh, interesting. But it's called Kagamusha. Uh, which have some considered a great film in its own right. I don't think I've ever seen that one. I don't know if I have either. But uh, he he said it's a mere dress rehearsal for Ran, which makes me just not want to watch it. Yeah, if it's just like Ran but dialed down, I don't care. I mean, it's probably still good because every movie he makes is good. Like his last few movies are all like post World War Two, um, dealing with like atomic anxiety stuff, and they're pretty similar, but. It's fine to watch either of them. Go ahead. Go for it. And still have a good time. Maybe not a good time. But <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and watch Grave of the Fireflies. You have a great time. <laughs> have a good time with that one. Mm-hmm. Speaking of your English degree. No, I don't want to. I don't know much about Shakespeare. I've read Titus Andronicus and Twelfth Night. And then Romeo and Juliet, they made us uh, in high, high school. They made us read it. <laughs> At least once, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I feel like I've read like, Romeo and Juliet like five times. I don't even fucking like it. Let me, let me let me pitch a, 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 my, like my feelings on Shakespeare to you. Okay? Shakespeare. So obviously he had to have been a great writer, and his theater production must have been great for it to have outlasted like all his other competition at the time. However, based on the plays that I've read and my understanding of Shakespeare, he does not seem to be an inventive writer, and I feel like maybe that has a lot to do with. It also being a theater production where he worked with the same people. So he was always writing to his um, production team's like strengths. Mm-hmm. So you see the same archetypal characters show up in every story. Well, I mean, not only that, but like a lot of his plays are just adapted from like old Roman and Greek plays, too. Oh, um, I mean, like he is kind of exalted in, you know, an English mm-hmm. education. I don't I don't necessarily get it either. He created a lot of words we use. I learned that like eyeball. Eyeball. For the person to say eyeball. <clears throat> My guess is he probably didn't create them, but maybe like introduced them to the yeah. populace. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing too is like, what, is he the best of of his generation, or is he just the one that survived the longest? Is that? I mean, how do you yeah. judge that? Because I guess it, he can't. In like a hundred years, if 
all what's left is Marvel movies. Are people going to say, oh, that was what the best one that generation was? You know what I mean? That's my greatest fear. Because <laughs> you can go back and like the, there's a whole breadth of like um, Roman Republic literature that just mm. did not survive to this day. But we have like, you know, Caesar's Gallic, Gallic Wars, Wars yeah. and shit like that. And like Cicero's writings. But there's for every Cicero, there's 10 people that we have nothing of. Yeah, that's true. I like the Gallic Wars though, Caesar's Journal, because you get to see like what an insane person he was. <laughs> like, damn, this dude was crazy. <laughs> I mean, exactly what you would expect from like a tyrannical dictator type fellow. He's <laughs> like, yeah, this dude's pretty fucked up. Um, it is a good read if you're into it. I, and honestly, I, supposedly it's a good read in Latin, but I don't, I don't know. I can't read Latin. I can't read Latin. So I can barely read English. God damn it! Uh, another thing about Romeo and Juliet, uh, based on. Yeah, there's full frontal in that movie. What I were you know, gonna say? Oh no, but that that was great in high school. Based on what I know about Shakespeare and my own theory about how he just basically writes the same story over and over again. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet is does seem to be a little bit of an outlier. And I remember like Well, that's also it's again, it's one that's adapted from a, another play, I believe. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about that and I was like I'm guessing that's maybe why you read it in high school to because it's a little bit of an outlier. And I was like, you know, if they would have <clears throat> prepared you with that information before reading Romeo and Juliet, like just giving you a little bit more context for William Shakespeare, might have actually been interesting to read it. But instead, it's just like, can't wait to watch that movie. <laughs> See some areolas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm not a big fan of William Shakespeare. I don't know shit about King Lear. Um, Hamlet is Lion King. <laughs> yeah, well, or it's uh, the White Lion. What's the Japanese one? Kimba, Kimba the White yeah, Lion. Kimba White Lion. <clears throat> yeah, Disney's actually known for stealing shit from Japan, so no surprise there. In Japan, stealing shit from William Shakespeare. <laughs> And Disney. I guess I know about King Lear now. Have you read King Lear? Uh, I want to say I have, but I can't remember. Oh, it's going to be like, is, does it line up pretty well with Ran? No, not exactly. Oh, because of Samurai? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why it doesn't line up. No, I mean, it's just broadly similar. I don't think it's... I mean, there's some... There's three daughters, right? And that, that whole relationship is the same, right? There's a, mm-hmm. basically a king that's like, oh, you, you two... Because you fawned over me, you're going to be the uh, the heirs, and this third daughter, you know, go fuck yourself. You are banished, Ed. And it's basically the same thing that happens after he gives up his power. The other two daughters are like, you, you fucking old man, get out of here. Damn, that's shitty. This uh, film... So I guess I did read King Lear, because I remember more. Now that I'm talking about it, I remember more than I think. Or maybe it's because it was you were refreshed by watching celebrated director Kira Kurosawa's film, Rain. Perhaps. Perhaps. This is his only best director Oscar nomination. That's sad. Was it for a foreign film category too? Nope. No. There, you know, there's reading in this movie. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. I read it. I'm guessing the reason he wasn't nominated before and why none of his films were ever nominated for Best Picture is because it's uh, in Japanese. <laughs> um, a lot of the time, if if they were allowing... I understand the Oscars like position because if they were allowing foreign language films to compete against... American films, uh, a lot of times, foreign language films would just be winning. <laughs> These American films would never win. You know, I don't think, I think, it's the, I think it's the opposite problem. I think that you have to think of that all these old fucks in the academy that get to vote, they'd be like, I'm not going to watch this movie, I gotta read. You think so? I think there's a bunch, I mean, like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but. You, I mean, you might be right. I feel like if there was any, pu- if like if it was important to the academy members, they would push for it, right? you know what I mean? Because mm. it should be just best picture, period. Well, I mean, that's the thing is the Academy is majority just old honkies, right? Yeah. So presumably have outdated views, which, I mean, you can see reflected in the Oscars. Because <laughs> every year the movie that wins is like, yeah, it's the one that's like, yay, Hollywood. Yeah. Or like, yay. Old people. Love old woke white people. They're the best. Fucking I'll never get over Green Book winning. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it makes us feel good about ourselves. All right. Ooh, fucking white savior of the movie. Well, I hope you're right because Joker's going to win this year. Everybody knows it. What? <laughs> no, Parasite's going to win. Oscars are going to fucking mix it up this year. Another decree. Chaos magic. Parasite will win Best Picture. Probably not. Though. Nah. I, don't, I, doubt, I don't think it's nominated. It's probably Best Picture. Do they have any Oscar nominations? Bullshit. I think they're coming out this week or last week. I don't know. Oscars eat my. I don't care. Day. I don't watch any awards. 
Oh, this film is included on Roger Ebert's great movies list. So like, ah, he, he's got one right. Yeah, he's not an idiot all the time, I guess. I, he, I think he, he like he was just riding the wave of whatever the agreed upon like Hollywood uh, taste was. That's all Ebert did. He's like, mm, do these other assholes like it? I do too. <laughs> Another spot on Ebert impression. Yeah, he's a sham. He's it's, it was all a sham. He's a fraud, hack fraud. Damn it, Ebert. Oh, did you ever end up watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood now that we're talking about hack frauds in Hollywood? <laughs> Are you talking about Quentin Tarantino? Uh, no, I have not watched it yet. I, so I, I've i watched Jojo Rabbit and I've watched Uncut Gems, um, but I still got to watch Knives Out, Parasite, and um, the one you just said. Damn, this would have been perfect segue <laughs> into in me talking about my theory about why the um, the ending of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the way it is about talking about fucking general uh, hive mind opinions that Hollywood you can tell, I don't that. go ahead and talk about it but I don't I won't know anything <laughs> all right so instead of the um, Manson family killing Sharon Tate her friends and stuff they actually break into Leonardo DiCaprio's character's house next door and uh, Brad Pitt's there and he's on acid and he be- beats the shit out of him right uh-huh. <laughs> so they don't succeed in killing Sharon Tate and it's like a really gruesome murder of the uh, Manson family members and he just clowns on them, you know, real, you know, take the piss out of them, blah, 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 sort of thing. And it's like, yay, Hollywood. That's right? the ending to uh, um, Inglorious Bastards almost. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it and it's like, I, just, I don't want the Manson family to succeed. I'd- well, wait, wait, hold on. I gotta, I gotta ask questions. I obviously haven't seen the movie yet, but I understand there's also, isn't there like an imaginary fight scene with Bruce Lee in it too? And if he's on acid, how do we know that he doesn't just imagine it in his head? He's just dreaming that he's kicking the shit out of the Manson family. Um, no, he actually he beats up Bruce Lee. Yeah, but wasn't was I thought it was like a dream sequence. Oh no, that, I haven't seen the movie. Actually, I was, I I thought and, uh, it's a memory. Uh, he he really beats up Bruce Lee. Um, but presumably this all happens, and it's like whatever. I get it. Uh, Quentin Tarantino loves Hollywood, and it's about how great Hollywood is. But here's the thing about. The Manson family murders. Yeah, they probably shouldn't have murdered anyone. Um, I don't. To be honest, I don't care as much about Sharon Tate and her friends because they were rich assholes, anyways. The La Bianca murders has a completely different story. But what I kind of dislike about the ending is Quentin Tarantino is reinforcing this stupid hive-minded Hollywood mentality that we are better than everyone. Like. How dare these scum of the earth come up to our side of the town and kill one of us, Sharon Tate? Because that is the attitude that has always been pervasive around the Sharon Tate murder. Is like, how dare these fucking scum fucks come here and kill one of ours, one of our shining gods? And then Quentin Tarantino being the little Hollywood bitch he is, <laughs> he's like, yeah, that's right. How dare they do that? We should have one of our guys stomp the shit out of him in the most brutal way possible. And that's my um, argument about <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Still a good movie. Still like Quentin Tarantino's movies. Um, I just and that's why we're never gonna sell a screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> I just, there is this weird elitist bullshit in Hollywood, and then they pat themselves on the back about stupid shit. I'm, like not, trying, <laughs> I'm not trying to reinforce some of the dumb shit that Ricky Gervais says because that guy's a fucking idiot too. He's, he's part of Hollywood. Sucking, I don't on, get... sucking on the same teat, you know what I mean? I don't need some rich English bastard who is just as rich and just as much of Hollywood as anybody else to fucking tell me. You know yeah. what I mean? Fuck off. Yeah, what I am talking about is fucking class warfare. Those Manson kids were heroes. <laughs> well, I'll right, we'll talk about that. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Well, you, you get the gist, though. You know, you, you know, you get what I'm trying to say. That, that, that's that's the problem with this shit, man. They're like, oh, damn, these fucking kids come up here and kill one of us. are shining beacons of truth and glory that only can be provided to you by the Hollywood machine. And Quentin Tarantino is like, I'll get revenge on them through the power of movies. <laughs> it's, it's just catharsis. Margot Robbie, show me your feet. Well, uh, it's, uh, it is, it's him. Is her feet not? Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. Her feet are hella dirty for some reason, too. It, like, it doesn't fit into the scene. That's what bothers me about it. Is like you just think Margot Robbie has some dirty ass feet? No, I think he like purposely dirtied them because that's like a specific as- aspect of his fetish or something. 
And it's like, man, that's so fucking weird, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> it's not as bad as Dan Schneider, who's like, oh, little girl, show me your feet. Yeah, well, I, I mean, my, my daughter started watching iCarly, and it's, there's so much feet shit in that show. Yeah. No, it's not the same because it's adults. Um, they can obviously consenting to it. Margot Robbie is uh, an adult woman who is aware of Quentin Tarantino's fetish, I'm sure. Who couldn't be? Yeah, it's, it's common knowledge, and she said, "You know what? I'll still do it anyways." So it's quite a bit different than sneaky old bastard tricking little girls into showing their feet for a comedy or whatever. I guess it's comedy. I don't know. That fucking son of a bitch. <laughs> it wasn't very funny. I'll tell you. That. Stupid friends, savage Steve, whatever. Who also has a pedophile, I assume, <laughs> made better off dead. Which him and Dan Snyder both better off dead. <laughs> Way to wrap it all in. The night right, it's all wrapped up together. The goddamn Hollywood phonies. Almost the entire film is done in long shot. There are only a handful of close-ups. Like when Lady Kaeda is presented with the head of a fox statue. Did you notice? No. No close-ups. We could not um, turn this film into a TV show. Because TV shows, as we all know... Must be establishing shot, close up of people talking, close up of another person talking, <laughs> close up of a person talking in a car, and close up of people talking in a table. <laughs> there really is no reason that that TV shows have to be shot that way. I don't think, but they love it. They it's because um, it's a fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no um really cohesive. The cinema, cinematographic style to any TV show, except the first season of True Detective. You know why? I will argue a little bit that Breaking Bad did did better than most TV shows. They tried a little bit more, but uh, it doesn't. It's kind of hard to do when you have different uh, crews working uh, episode to episode. And that's why True Detective is the best because one director, one cinematographer. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. You know, mm-hmm. you put that. In your pipe and smoke it, you goddamn TV man. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna get any of these screenplays, man. <laughs> All I do is talk shit. Talk. Oh man, I'm talking shit about my betters again. Oh golly. <laughs> Why don't you know your place? My place is at the throat of mainstream culture. Well, let's continue to talk about Rand. He's got three sons. Their names are my three sons: Taro, Jiro. And Sbarros. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I want some pizza now. <laughs> yeah, pizza does sound good. I haven't had Sbarros in a long time. Let's go to Sbarros. Where is that at? They only have them at malls. Yeah, I know. Uh, his third son is actually named uh, Saburo. Saburo. Not Sbarros, but it kind of like when you say it, um, when they say it, and it's in Japanese, and they say it, you know, uh, easily because it's their native language. It's kind of like Saburo. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, well, Sabaro, so <clears throat> pepperoni pizza. One of his sons, Taro, is an asshole. And also <laughs> the first two are assholes. The coward. His <laughs> other son, Jiro, is an asshole. Also a coward. <laughs> <laughs> and his third son, Sabaros, is a pretty cool guy, but he kind of fucks off for most of the movie. <laughs> um the coolest person in the movie though, shit too. is uh his first son's wife who becomes his second son's mistress lady keita yeah she's uh she's got crazy revenge energy hell yeah (laughs) it's great she's intense i love at the end when they're like finally kangura is able to convince jiro like we gotta confront this bitch we're all about to die anyways tired of shit and she's like, everything went according to plan. My revenge is complete. Fuck y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she, um, <clears throat> uh, similar to our protagonist in the last film, Tom Reagan, uh, a little bit more clever than everyone else. Uh, so she's able to ingratiate herself in a way to completely dismantle like their entire um, dynasty. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't all her plan, though, right? Because like, the, the father... Is the one that's like, you two are going to be the heirs and you can go fuck off. That doesn't seem to be like a part of her plan. At least we don't see her manipulating the father into that. Mm. Yeah, well, we we actually don't see much interaction with her and the father at all. Just like when we first meet her, um, the father, the great lord, has just renounced his lordship and 
dispenses it to his sons. And uh, he's clearing out of the main castle, go hang out with his boys. And uh, <clears throat> his harem is leaving, right? Yeah. He's going to hang out with the boys. He's got to bring his harem with him, you know? Uh, and Lady Kate is like, uh, fucking, I'm not going to wait for this goddamn harem. I'm like fucking. I'm, I'm lady of the house. Yeah, I'm like the, I'm like the <laughs> boss now. So fuck them. <laughs> fuck them kids. And so they they all kneel to the side so that she can pass through. And the great lord sees it from his window. And he's like, oh, what? I'm the great lord. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, funny that he's <laughs> like, he makes the decision. And immediately regrets dream. it. <laughs> and then he, like, after that, he's like, ah, shit. I keep forgetting I gave up all my power because he's still trying to run around like he's the boss, you know? Honestly, couldn't he just be like, fuck it, I changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, what are they going to do? <laughs> Especially his little two bitch-ass sons, uh, Taro and Jiro. They'd be like, oh, okay, father, your genius knows no bounds. <laughs> All wise. What an yeah. what a, what a honorable and successful test you have put us through. Uh, basically, I mean, the start of the movie, he uh, passes each of his sons an arrow, and they all break it, right? And then he's like, now here's three arrows bundled together. <laughs> Come on, get it? <laughs> right? Huh? Huh? And then uh, uh, Sabaros is like, oh, I'll show you. Yeah, he breaks the three arrows he, over his knee. And he's like, three arrows can still be broken. These other two guys are bitches. They're going to betray you. You're dumb, father. You're dumb. You're dumb, dumb idiot. You're glib, Matt. You're glib. And um, <laughs> he's like, get out of here, Sabaros. Go back to Little Italy. Take Tatanka with you. <laughs> Tango. <laughs> Tango, tango. It all falls apart for him there. He basically gets kicked out of Taro's house. Ah, damn. Go to Jiro's house. He's like, can't bring your boys in with you. They're too rowdy. He's like, I'll never abandon my boys. (laughs) (laughs) Then they wander around. Uh, He gets abandoned by his boys. And then uh, he goes mad. They don't. He doesn't get abandoned by his boys. He uh, they wander around and, and like they're like, "Hey, Sabaro abandoned his castles. Why don't we go hang out there? It's gonna be fun." They, your selfish sons won't mind. And then he goes to the castle, and the oh, other yeah. sons show up. And they're like, "Hey, we're gonna burn you down." Yeah, they <laughs> burn this castle down, guy. Ambush them. Yeah. So to get back to Kaeda, she manipulates Taro into doing most of these things because Taro's pushover and she is strong. Yeah. See the. The hen pecked the cock and made him a crow or some shit. Yeah. She leads you around by your nose. Or by your dick. Or, I don't know, fox magic. Certainly Juro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess probably not according I think it's, to... I think it's vagina magic. <laughs> probably not according to plan. Um, Taro gets uh, assassinated during the siege. Though. Yeah, I don't think she wanted him to die. But, you know what? She's, she's yeah, quick. she rolls with the punches. Yeah, she's quick on her feet, just like Tom Reagan. She's like, you know what? Let's get the other brother. This is a stupidity runs in the family, so <laughs> shouldn't be hard. <laughs> Only the youngest one is any good. Uh, what does she want revenge for? Uh, her family being killed? Yeah, by who? The great lord, right? Yeah. She, here's a here's something. If you become a great lord uh, and you kill somebody's family, do not marry their daughter to your son. That's fucking dumb. You gotta uh, really cinch up those loyalties. Why don't you? Why wouldn't you just kill them all? Let God sort them out. <laughs> Well, I bring that up because... He did it twice. Both his sons are married to people that his family's Families he destroyed, yeah. And, uh... You're right. His lady, whole family are, are idiots. <laughs> they don't deserve to rule. Lady Sue Except gets... For <laughs> lady Sue gets hers, though. <laughs> yeah, oh, poor... You're not dirty Lady Sue. She deserved it. <laughs> yeah, what a jerk she was. Always praying to Buddha and forgiving the great Lord and being nice to people. This Buddha yeah, sounds, <laughs> sounds like a real pushover, just like Jesus Christ. Well, he doesn't exist because so, at the end, the fool um, uh, renounces the gods. He chastises them. He says, fuck you guys. You didn't do shit for us. So you- no, like they're crying up there because we're killing each yeah, other. Yeah, then Tango, he comes to yell the point of the film. and uh, Which is blood is cool. Is- samurai are awesome. <laughs> Samurais rule. Commoners, Drew. Uh, which, I mean, it's like I said. I'll it, kick you in your peasant <laughs> dick. The message of the film is obvious enough. It's just like violence begets more violence and uh, dynastic rules really dumb. And everyone, human suffering is inescapable in the society we operate in, blah, blah, blah. So you get the picture. But just in case, 
Tango comes to yell, yell at you. And he's like, they've abandoned us because we will not stop killing each other. Humanity is too sorrowful and weak. We're the worst. The gods do not love us. All we do is kill. We're thirsty for blood and violence. They're at the other castle now killing because they love it. It's fucking son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And then after the credits, they all come out like, oh, this is a grand folly. We hope you enjoyed the (laughs) entertainment. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed the show. Did you get the message? There's a message in there for you. There's a theme, if you will. Themes are for 8th grade book reports. Was that you, the guys that wrote Game of Thrones? <laughs> Speaking of Game of Thrones, there is some King of Lear in Game of Thrones, too. Man, I was thinking... Did I say King of Lear? I think I did say King of Lear. <laughs> Game of Thrones, King of Lear, whatever. Uh, Song of Ice and Fire, It's not. I don't think it's portrayed as well in the TV show, because nothing about the show is really that good. I mean, beyond even the last season, guys, I'm glad you guys all came around to, <laughs> to my way of thinking. To my way of thinking in the last season, but if you go back and watch the other seasons, still not a very good TV show. Why does it look so bad? <laughs> Why did they spend all that money and it still looks so bad? Um, a Song of Ice and Fire that does have a lot of similar elements to Ran or King Lear or just medieval stories. Shakespeare stuff, yeah. Yeah. His writing style um, makes it seem as if it's celebrating violence. He might enjoy writing those scenes, or whatever, but the grander message of the story, I think, is you know, human suffering is caused by violence. Game of you talking about Song of Fire. Yeah, I yeah. mean, if you if you don't get that by the time you're in the what the fifth book, where Brienne is going on her little journey through the Seven Kingdoms, and they're and they go, they talk about um, the, the Septon, yeah, and like what it was like when to be drafted into the army when you're just a peon and move a hundred miles away, and you see all your friends die, and all of a sudden. Like the Lord you were that was originally leading you, he's dead, and someone else says that here in charge, he's in charge of you now, and you're like, where the fuck's home? I don't know anybody anymore. The Septon's broken men speech. Yeah, yeah, that's that's basically <clears throat> Tango coming yeah, out coming to yell at you. Audience. Hey, this is what it's about. And we spoke briefly. But, uh, oh, by the way, Danny and uh, Tyrion said they're gonna break the wheel in season seven of the show, though. So that's the same thing. Yep. I get <laughs> yep. It's all in there. <laughs> um, we spoke briefly about John Ford. John Ford. Not related to Henry Ford or Tom Ford. <laughs> uh, as far as we know, anyways. At the end of his, his career slash life, John Ford was feeling pretty shitty. Uh, also, I guess we should use his real name. John O'Feeney. <gasps> you son of a bitch. <laughs> Um, Marion Wayne, <laughs> <laughs> Marion Cabretti. He was feeling real shitty about uh, his life, his life's work, questioning everything he'd done, his beliefs, what do you do, what his purpose was, what it was all about, what does it goddamn mean, why was I so terrible to the Native Americans in my movies? And so he made Cheyenne Autumn, which is sort of his treatise on violence in the West, American expansion. The suffering of uh, our indigenous people, that sort of thing. It was, uh, if you go back and watch it now, it's a really light touch. I'm not. This is not like a radical film or anything, <laughs> but um, it was like it's interesting. You know, it's like this is what he could muster, being like a real old timey, like cowboy man sort of dude. You know, um, similar in that vein, we got the Irishman, and I know like everyone when the Irishman came out compared it to Cheyenne Autumn. I'm not thinking that, you know, that's not a profound argument I'm trying to make. It's obviously Martin Scorsese's reaching the end of his life, feeling the same sort of feelings, made a similar kind of movie, right? Yeah. I think I said that after I watched it, didn't I? Yeah. His is about gangsters. (laughs) Well, he he did some gangster movies. That's why. Yeah. Well, I submit to you that Kurosawa's Ran, which is a film at the end of his life and is the last samurai film he did, is the equivalent of Cheyenne Autumn. And Irishman. And hmm. Tango basically yelled it at you at the end. Yeah, that's fair. That's all fair. Yep. And that is why you should have watched Ran. If you didn't watch it yet, go watch it. <laughs> why are you listening to this fucking podcast? Yeah, I'm not describing the plot lines to this shit to you guys anymore. We haven't done that in months. We never really kind of did it, but we, were gonna, we would go do a plot line and then talk about shit, right? I don't know. I don't listen to these fucking things. Jokes. Yeah, I listen to it when I edit them, and then that's it. I just throw that shit to the wind. Enjoy it, internet. Start watching this shit. 
um, lately we've been watching good movies because uh, just being on the internet, specifically on Twitter, because you got me on Twitter, so I'm like more tapped into like <laughs> bullshit on the internet. The bullshit. On I, the t- internet. I've told you like how much small segment like the Twitter is in real life. It's just not. I mean. You're getting like the crazy people on the internet, really. Well, I just like the broad um, monoculture normie shit. I hate to say normie, but that's kind of what it <laughs> is. never say normie. Yeah, it's like hell annoying on the internet. And when people, oh, uh, yeah, this is film Twitter. We talk about The Lighthouse. Have you seen The Lighthouse? Lighthouse is a good film. A24 is a good studio. There's other fucking movies, right? You come at me, try to talk about movies, and you gotta watch other movies, okay? So we've been watching good movies lately. You know, let me give you the top ten films of the decade, Kyle, okay? Uh, Avengers Endgame. Oh, shit. Avengers Civil War. Civil War. Oh, Infinity War. America. Infinity War. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and then you got your you got your Kick-Ass. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, Kick-Ass, was, that was a real uh, dressing down of the superhero motif. We finally reached the period, much like Westerns, where we start to see... Meta superhero films, <laughs> right? That's what the Joker is, baby. Joker, oh, Joker, baby. I hate when people compare them shits to the Western films. Oh God, no, please, no. People aren't. Ugh. What the Joker specifically? No, just superhero films in general. Why? <clears throat> yeah, I get like um at the time the studios were pumping out westerns because that's what people wanted or whatever. But uh, people like, hey, you know, it's just a trend. It'll just pass. You know, don't worry about it. It's just like westerns. People get over blah blah. Yeah, um, that like maybe if it wasn't all one fucking uh, monolithic studio that owned everything and is basically in control of popular culture at the moment, that's the scary part. But the Joker babies from from <laughs> the Warner Brothers, who's about to use AI to decide what films are going to make yeah. now. <laughs> exactly. I do think they're approaching the like uh, breaking point finally with superhero shit. The problem is that Disney will be able to prevail onwards and do whatever they want and capitalize on whatever the next trend is going to be. So nothing... Disney's unstoppable is the problem. But I do think superhero films are reaching the breaking point because, like you said, Warner Brothers is going to use a sophisticated AI to determine what pitches are good, so... I mean, honestly, it doesn't even make sense because if you think about it, there's no way in hell that AI would ever pick, like, Robert Downey Jr. to be Iron Man, right? Not based on the criteria that you think the AI would select, right? Because he was not a, uh, a a good bet. He wasn't a bankable fella at the yeah. time. I mean, and to be fair, like the Marvel movies don't really take those risks anymore. I can't think of a time. Well, I was just going to bring up uh, Scott Derrickson uh, left the Doctor Strange sequel yeah. over creative differences. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Marvel doesn't even take risks on uh, the director they used before for the first film who made them a lot of money. <laughs> well, I'm fucking, I'll be honest with you. The fucking first Doctor Strange movie is not... He, did he direct that? He Someone else directed it, did he? Nope, he directed it. Oh, it wasn't very good, so I don't care. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was very good. Um, people like the MC Escher special effects shit, but that's, that's down. That's cool, but that was some Inception. That's also down to the audience not being familiar with um, anything at all. Like, no one has any like background on shit at all, it seems like. But, um, I yeah, I don't particularly care who directs any of the Marvel movies, but it is really uh, interesting to me that Marvel has gotten so um, so tight-fisted on everything that, like, all right. I mean, the same thing happened with Edgar Wright and Ant-Man, too. I don't know that it's anything new, and, like, Disney's doing the same shit with Star Wars. Like, every one of those Star Wars movies have had production problems. Yeah, because they're controlled so much by the studios and right. the production teams. They don't fuck, The directors of Marvel films don't even direct the action, goddammit. Yeah, I did the Derek, Scott Derrickson thing though to me is like a little bit, like a step even further than Edgar Wright because Edgar Wright wrote the screenplay before the MCU even existed. He just wanted to make the movie. Marvel had other plans, and he said, "Fuck you, that's not what I want to do. I'm out of here." In this case, he directed the first one, made Marvel a bunch of money, <clears throat> did what Marvel wanted, started pitched the script for the second one. They accepted it. He said he wanted to make a more horror-like horror film for Doctor Strange. They promoted it that way the last year or two. Then Kevin Feige kind of pulled back on that. He's like, well, it's not going to really be a horror movie. And then Scott Derrickson left the film, and it's probably just going to be whatever the fuck it is. So what's interesting to me about it is you can see the just complete, like... Oh, no, no, no. We can, no, can't change the formula. Fucking, we lied to you. Sorry. Sorry, we, we're still going to use the script, but we're going to change it. <laughs> it's not going to be a horror movie. Um, 
There's the door. <laughs> and that, my friends, is why Martin Scorsese said the Marvel films are not cinema. They are a commercial for a product. I'll take it one step further than saying they're a theme park. They're fucking commercials. That's again, like I, that's true of so many movies and so many blockbusters. Like I don't, I think mean, I don't. I feel like it's be declaring the death of cinema because of the way Marvel and Disney operate right now. It seems a little much to me. Um, I'm not declaring the death of cinema. I just want to constantly remind people that they need to avoid the films. They should be constantly criticized. We should not allow them to be accepted into mainstream culture. Why? Uh, people. Should What's so not- dangerous about the Marvel movies that that didn't exist ten years ago? I like. I don't get it. Like, I, you're you're you're. It's too much for me. I don't think they're uh, dangerous. I think Disney is dangerous um, for. Yeah, no, no. I think Disney should be broken up. Like, the, you can split Disney and Star Wars. Well, should be the, Lucasfilm should be a separate company, yeah. and Marvel should be a separate company. I'm for uh, breaking up monopolies, but I just don't like. I don't. That's a separate like social argument to me than you know the movies that are getting into theaters. But yeah, it is. I just um, as much as people can say they love the Marvel movies and put them on their top ten list and shit. I'm going to do the exact opposite as much oh, as I want. <laughs> I'm going to just crazy talk shit about them. Because, <clears throat> uh, fucking suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> VHS cult. Marvel movies fucking suck. I got to stop talking about them, though, because... Yeah, you bring them up all the goddamn time, damn it. I just love to see them fail. <laughs> they haven't. It's coming, man. The Eternals, who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck that Kumail started taking steroids for some shit? <laughs> it's got Angelina Jolie. Oh, uh, she's still around. Yeah, she's still Malefic. She's still doing movies and stuff. Man, good for her. <laughs> Selma Hayek too. Selma Hayek's in it. Yeah, man, good for her. <laughs> she's married to a billionaire, apparently in some sort of weird crazy cult. That's all. Uh, like, yeah. Simon Hayek. All right, good for her. Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> Not our kind of crazy cult. Oh, like Jared Leto's cult? <laughs> no, nah, I think it's it's like uh, the Flaming Lips cult. Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess I'll do it for VHS Colt. Last thing I want to bring up is um, when Jiro gets seduced by Kaeda and she just comes in like a crazy woman and is like, He's like, I'm a vampire! I'm gonna I got him. vampire energy! Yeah, I'm gonna kill you. Now, uh, now let's bang. And I was like, that'd probably work on me. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I'm like, get the fuck away from me, weirdo. Not me. I'd be like, alright, bring that knife out again. Let's do this. And I'm gonna stab like, you with my knife. Hey, hey, hey. I'll do fucking moon salt in between those thighs, baby. And straight into your heart. What are we watching next week? Oh, uh, yeah, there's a theme we got going here. Um, since we watched the samurai movie. You watch a western movie? We are. We're going to watch Pale Rider. Pale Rider. Starring um, everyone's favorite political genius, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Remember when he yelled at a chair? At the <laughs> God damn, uh, you fucking, yeah, you're right here. I got your Obamacare right here, yeah. Mr. Obama. It's my right fist. It sounded a little Reagan at the end there. I can't punch you with it, though, because my entire body will break. You say that, but is, isn't his mother still alive? Or she finally died? I think she died recently, but she made it to like 108 or something. He's like, he's like almost 90, right? Yeah. Fuck, he's old. That's gonna be me one day. <laughs> me too. Me and my wife with the big powerful thighs that I moonsault in between. Do moonsault, put it in the Huracan Rana. And then boom, straight to WrestleMania. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> talking about wrestling with your wife. And that's what the cult's about. Go to McVentureProductions.com. Donate to the, to the cult. Become a patron. Yeah, do you Perhaps want, you too can become a powerful thigh wife. Do you want us to have our own compound? Because that's how we get it. Hell yeah. You gotta, man, I need protection from the federal government. I'm not sure why. I just don't really like them. So <laughs> <laughs> need to avoid them as much as possible. And the best way to do that is to get on their radar by having a compound and doing gun sales. VHS <laughs> <laughs> cult. We're changing the name of this podcast to the Branch Davidians. VHS cult. VHSproducts.com. I'm Kyle. Follow me at Kyle Main on Twitter. That's Sean. Follow him at a Sean McDonald on Twitter and Instagram. And now Instagram is just 
the Grunge Productions, I think. Or maybe it's VHS Cole on Instagram. Oh, yeah, follow us on Instagram. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your congressmen and women. Right, yeah, right, right to Congress. Tell them VHS Cult. Get them a contract with Spotify. Demand it. Say, Mr. Trump, VHS Cult needs a contract with Spotify. Leave them kids in Iran alone. And go to McVentureProductions.com. Donald Trump, you piece of shit. Goddamn son of a bitch. You fucking, why you so old? You old piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs>